Good morning, Friends Church. My name's Emily. I'm part of the charitable giving team here at Friends. So I am one of the group of people that gets to stand up here each week and in one way or another remind you that what we do here takes financial resources to make it happen. So today I just want to thank you for your generosity. I want to thank you for um, your response um, to us being a little bit low on our targets recently and the way that you've um, stepped up to the plate to help us recover from that. And I want to thank you for your continued commitment to uh, making sure that we have the resources we need to continue um, on with everything we do in this community. One thing that we value very highly here at Friends Church is an action-oriented faith. And because of that, we are participating in the Bow River Pathway cleanup today. If you haven't already um, signed up or indicated that you're wanting to be a part of that, it's not too late. You may be, you know, we're waiting for the weather to see if it was going to be nice out, and it's beautiful. So if you still want to join us, you are welcome to come down to the Pump House Theater at 1230 If you have work gloves, grubby clothes, bring them. Um, It is not a heavy day's work, but it is such an essential piece of uh, making sure that our environment here in Calgary stays nice and usable for everybody. So we would love to see you participate in that with us. So please come out this afternoon. Thanks. Thanks, Emily. Welcome to Friends Church, everybody. And all the people who are virtual... Um, This is going to come as no shock, but for you people who've only heard my voice on a podcast, I am tall and skinny. Tried to do many things about that. Decided one day, a couple years ago, I am going to get big. So I started lifting weights. Guess what happened? Nothing. I have this like fancy scale that you get on with bare feet, and then it sends an electrical signal through you to measure how much body or body fat, but I'm using it for muscle. So it measures how much muscle I have. Gave me the number. Three months later, the number has not moved at all. I work out three times a week. So what do you think I did? I got heavier weights. Because that's probably the problem, right? Now I'm like in front of the TV, like Three months of that, guess what happened? Nothing. So what did I do? I decided my scale was lying, and I bought a new scale. Because there's no way I could do all that, and the number literally has not moved at all. Not a pound in six months. Get my new scale in, comes in, delivers, unpack it. I'm all excited. I put the batteries in. I jump on. Guess what number gave me? Exact same stupid number. Does anyone other than me find it unbelievably frustrating when you put a whole bunch of effort into something and nothing changes? I was talking to someone recently, um, someone in our community, they're working on their resume, been unemployed for a little bit of time. They have polished this resume to a diamond. Guess how many job offers they've had? None. None. Think through your life. What is it? Is it weight? You were like, you know, I've been eating clean. I, you know, I had a procedure done so that I could lose weight. And I'm not losing the weight. If you're coupled, we went to counseling. I've read a book. You know, I did this whole thing. Our marriage is supposed to get better, right? There's nothing that drives me more nuts than putting a ton of effort into something and 
having nothing change. So here's my question for you all today. Where have you put effort into your spiritual journey, into the spirituality of your life, and see nothing change? To me, that's demoralizing on a different level. We might come to the spiritual gym, have a workout here. We might be doing things on our own at home. We might be part of like a group online or follow other podcasts. And it just feels like nothing. We've been thinking about this for years. How do we measure success? On my scale, I, well, other than my scale, lies, which you all know now, right? So if you have one of those electrical scales, just throw it out. It's garbage. It's lying. I swear I'm getting bigger. I got to be getting bigger, right? But what if we had a spiritual journey scale that we could stand on and it would measure us and say, yeah, actually the work you're doing, it's working. Or you're putting in a ton of effort and it's not doing jack, so you might as well just stop. Our spiritual ancestors have thought about this for a long time. Jeff started it last week to talk about this idea of a measurement through this concept of fruit. Jesus talked about it. Paul talked about it. It's this idea that says when you're doing your spiritual journey well, when, it's, when, when the stuff you're engaged in is working, you will be different. It's not just that you go, you know, I'm learning that I need to do this thing, so I'm putting all my effort in, like, you know, grunting it out, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be kind to my wife, damn it. You can do that. But the work we're doing is saying, what if I did a bunch of this stuff here and suddenly I'm with my wife and things feel different? That's fruit. Jeff talked about it last week. He did a a much broader thing. So I'm going to take one piece of his message and highlight it as kind of the chunk that I want to talk about. He talked about this idea of fruit, the idea of fruit as love. And not just romantic love, although that's lovely. Half of that's just being high on drugs, but whatever. We're talking about love as kindly concern. How much concern can you hold in your heart? I was listening to a podcast, The Mankind Project. I don't know if you've ever heard it. Fantastic podcast. And it showed me kind of my measurement of where I'm at. Because they had this guy, he was like 65, maybe 75, somewhere in there, plus or minus. And he's talking about the war in Ukraine. Now, I watch the news regularly. I read the news regularly. I know what's going on in Ukraine as much as you can living in Canada. It's not that I don't know it. But I don't know about you, but it feels like my heart can't take much more of that. And so for me, Ukraine is something that I read about on my phone in the news. And when they interviewed this guy, his name was Denis. Denis said, I was listening to a a music video that showed Ukraine with music on top. And he said he bawled his eyes out. And suddenly I had this moment where kind of my measurement of how much love, how much kindly concern I can hold in the world, I suddenly had a realization that I had turned that off. Everyone's have that feeling like I just need to numb out a little bit because I can't take it. I can't take 
the feelings of all those people. And so instead of feeling love, I just turned it off. Instead of doing the work I need to do to feel it fully, you'll feel this in your life. You see someone on the side of the street that maybe is struggling. If your heart breaks for them, you know that you have kindly concern for them. If you're just going, "Mm, get a job. I get it. We do it to protect ourselves. But what our spiritual journey says is, if our measure of our spiritual journey health is being able to hold kindly concern for the person in your life who's a bit of an a-hole, who drives you nuts, the neighbor whose dog craps on your yard every time, It's a measure of how we're doing. And so if you find your kindly concern dropping, if love in the world is dropping, if you're looking at your people who you should love and going, I don't really like you right now. That thing you said the other day, I'm so pissed off about that. Screw you. Our spiritual journey, when it's going well, when the practices are the right practices, we will feel softness in our hearts, concern for the people around us even people you don't like. So that was last week, love, kindly concern. It's a measurement. Today I wanna talk about something different. I wanna talk about this word peace, but it's not what you think it is, especially since I just talked about Ukraine. Peace, not as the absence of war, but as something different. And I came to it by listening to another podcast. I know it just seems like all I do is listen to podcasts, but I listen to a lot of them. Every time I drive to the mountains, I get a podcast on. And it was Where Should We Begin with Esther Perel. Anyone know Esther Perel's work? Anyone follow the podcast, Where Should We Begin? Next week there's a test. You all should be listening to it, by the way. It's that good. What she does is she essentially takes two people, usually one looks a lot like me, and she puts them in a room and she has therapy with them, which is lovely therapy because she's telling me stuff, but she's not telling it to me. She's telling it to someone else. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's horrible. I can't believe they do that. Meanwhile, I'm the one who does that. So in this case, they had a couple, guy, girl. They've been married once, divorced, and remarried. How does that work? I don't know. But they were in therapy now because the second round didn't seem to be going that well. And the, the story they tell that what's going on is the story that probably all of us deal with. Anyone have someone in your life who likes to tell you the obvious things that you're doing wrong? Anyone really enjoy when someone tells you, you know, you're doing something stupid? Vince, if you didn't speed, you wouldn't get speeding tickets. Anyone really enjoy when someone tells them that? The guy's mad because their cat took a crap in his closet. And his wife says, well, if you close the closet door, the cat won't crap in there. (laughs) I see some faces like, it's true point, it's true point. Okay, you all are the husband today, right? You all are the husband. Someone just told you the thing that you're like, I know if I just lifted weights better, I would be bigger. I know, screw you. That's the story. And as they're doing this, it goes from, (laughs) I don't like that the cat crapped in my closet, to if you close the door, the cat wouldn't crap in your closet. Within seconds, This thing goes ballistic. It ends about 15 minutes later with him saying, nobody likes you. He says this to his wife. 
right to the eye. Nobody likes you. I don't. The kids don't. Nobody likes you. How do you come back from that one? What happens next? She doesn't talk to him for two weeks. Peace? Now here I want to talk about not peace as the absence of fighting. I want to define peace differently. Chantel, can you throw it up for me? I want to define this way. Peace is the ability to choose responses to emotions. Okay, I'm going to give you some backstory. Esther Perel, the ninja genius that she is, within seconds, she doesn't ask him, hey, how did it feel when your wife told you the obvious answer of how not to get the cat to crap in your closet? No, Esther doesn't even go there. She says, tell me about your dad. Tell me about your growing up years. The guy went from mad to sad about this quick. He said, oh, I could never do anything for my dad that he liked. Everything I did, he was like, why'd you do that? That was such a stupid thing to do. He disapproved of everything I did, including my wife. He literally took me aside and said, she's not good enough for you. You shouldn't have married her. You screwed up. Disapproval at everything. Can you imagine now the emotions that he's feeling? He has this whole body of knowledge, of pain, and of hurt from his dad who says, you're never good enough. And his wife says one little line, if you close the closet, the cat's not going to crap in there. What do you think he hears? A lifetime of you useless sack of crap. You can never make a good decision. Why do I even bother with you? Think of the emotional rush that comes up in that guy. Can you throw up the peace thing again, Chantel? Apologies for the repetition. That's on me. The ability to choose responses to emotions. He's feeling, it's not even him, it's kind of like he's sitting here and his wife is sitting there and his dad is sitting right in the middle of them. Can you feel that in your life? Whatever's going on, it's not just you in the moment, it's you in the moment and all the past shit that's connected to that. The times a person has said that to you, the times someone else did, the fact that it's an insecurity to you. Whenever someone says something, we're like, oh, triggered, I'm triggered. Emotions rise up. And instead of having choice, instead of him going, I wonder if my wife is trying to express to me what my dad has told me my whole life. Do you think he even thought that in that moment? Do you think he thought, you know, I'm getting triggered really easy today. I wonder if I've had a good night's sleep and really dealt through some of my daddy issues. Does anyone do that, you know? Whoever in your life says the thing that drives you nuts and you have the moment go, hmm, I wonder what's going on with them. Or you know what, what would be the best decision here? Usually I yell and scream at them. What if I tried something different? Does anyone have the ability to make those kind of choices in those moments? I'd like to say I do, I do not. I blow up and I do the same thing over again and that's what he does. And that's the absence of peace I want to explore today. The inability to have choice because the emotions flood us. 
And oftentimes, it's from our past. It's our childhood. It's our daddy and mommy issues. It's my brother did this all the time. You want to see me blow a gasket? Me and my brother can talk for about 30 seconds, and I'm livid. We have 50 years of history. He makes one sniff, and I'm like back to being four years old and like ready to punch him in the face. We're 50 years old now. You know the feeling, don't you? You're all looking at me going, crazy bugger, but you all know, y'all got that. And when we don't have peace from our, our past, our childhood, our wounds, all that stuff, when we haven't done that work, we have no choice today. We have no peace. So take a minute and think back to those moments in your life where you're reacting in poor ways. When you say something, you're like, oof, I shouldn't have said that. Your tone is like, oh boy. You're thinking, if I could go back and say that differently, probably we wouldn't have had a three-week fight about this. What's going on there that's hijacking your ability to have choice? Where's your peace? The reason French Church spends so much time talking about our lives and our past and what probably people would call psychology is because we know that when we don't do this work, this is a mess. I had a line there, something about, um, oh yeah, (laughs) when there's no peace inside of us, there's no peace outside of us. Think about that for a second. When you don't have peace from your childhood, from your wounding, from your past, there's no peace outside of you either. We did the spiritual journey model. Starts with this idea of awareness. We all start our spiritual journey in figuring out what's going on in our lives. And we start off figuring out what awareness about us. Who am I? Who are you? Oh, I like this. I don't like this. Wait, I'm triggered when somebody says this. Wait, I'm always reacting that way. What's going on for me? But very quickly we realize we can't live alone on an island in the middle of nowhere and never talk to another human being. There's them out there. There's people around us, and they aren't like us. Why is it that my wife doesn't like violent movies? I do not understand that. Isn't that the most relaxing thing to go home, turn on a really violent movie, and just relax, just chill out? She's got the blanket over her head. You're missing the best parts. I don't understand why you don't like this. Them, we suddenly realize, is not like me. They are different. And we can do two things. This is what we do when we're non-conscious. We don't have peace. They're the enemy. Or we start to create this thing called we. I'm different than her. She's different from me. And that's okay. And so when we look at this idea of peace, peace looks like it's just focused on me, right? I want peace. Oh, if only it was that easy. The absence of peace in me goes to them, and it kills the we. And our spirituality is in the we. So have you gone back to deal with the shit of your past? The things your parents said to you? The stuff that happened to you? 
your insecurities? Do you have peace? So when they hit in this moment, you could do that ninja move where he says, I don't like the cat that crapped in my closet. And she says, helpfully, if you close your closet door, the cat won't crap in there. And he has a moment where his dad stuff comes up and he goes, wow, I always screw up, don't I? I'm never good enough. I never make good decisions. Wait a second. That's a good point. If I close my closet door, the cat's not going to crap in there. Babe, that's a good point. Thank you. I appreciate that. Think of being able to do that in that moment with whoever you are in your life. Your kid says that thing to you that always drives you nuts, and you go, oh, wow. That's interesting. Normally, I'd lose my mind on them right now. Hmm. You know what? What they did still was pretty crappy. Maybe not going to lose my mind, but they're still grounded for a month. You see the difference that choice makes? I can choose how I act if I have peace, if I can have enough, do enough work that I can actually have choice in those moments. And you can feel it. The more you feel emotion, <laughs> someone cuts me off in traffic, there's no choice there. I'm instantly screaming. Now, sometimes they need to be educated. We all agree on that, right? <laughs> if you see a guy who looks a lot like me in a black Xterra, it wasn't me, I wasn't yelling at you but you'll probably cut me off and I'm mad. But now I can see it as a measure of my spiritual journey. How much time off have I taken? How much quiet time have I done? When I came in here to hear music, did I have a moment where I let the music soothe my soul? Do I think deeply about the pace of life and how quickly I'm holding or pacing my life? And suddenly the person cuts me off and I go, ha idiot. There's no 10-minute rage driving after them, screaming at them. Let me try this. I want to encourage you to take a deep breath. Where are you lacking choice? from stuff in your past. Okay, let me switch to another story. Story from Jesus, two sisters, one's Mary, one's Martha. We're all gonna be Martha today. Martha sees Jesus in the square and says, hey, come to our house. Now think about this. Jesus is a high-ranking Jewish religious teacher. This is like inviting Jeff to your house. Not me. You're like, ah, Clausen. Who cares about Clausen? No, it's like having an important person in your house. You're like, ah, what would you do? Anyone's house clean enough right now to have the prime minister show up at your house? What does Martha do? What would you do if you had a high-ranking religious leader come over? She starts going crazy. She's cooking up a storm. Jewish law says you have to have one dish, and it doesn't even need to be fresh. What does she do? She's cooking up a storm. What are we doing? You're cleaning the bathroom toilet, right? You're doing the thing. You're like throwing stuff in the closet. She's freaking out. And her sister, that deadbeat, she's sitting next to Jesus doing sweet nothing. Nothing. She's doing this. (laughs) 
You've been running around all day cleaning up. You're cooking like mad. And this is what your sister, who's supposed to be helping you out here, this is what she's doing. Does anyone feel a little something about that? How would you be feeling if your sister or your brother or anyone in your life, your colleague at work, who does that on the big project where you're doing all the work, how do you feel about that? Pretty good? What does, Mary, what does Martha do? She tells on her. Jesus. I can just hear her voice. Jesus, would you tell Mary to do more work? I'm doing it all. I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Mary's doing nothing. I've always read this story wrong, I think. I always read the story that Jesus or Mary was sitting with Jesus and listening. And I thought the core piece of the story was the listening part. It never says listening. It says she was sitting at Jesus' feet. I assumed listening. I assumed that he was teaching her. And the whole point of the story was listen to Jesus' teaching. No, it doesn't say that. Mary is sitting quietly in the presence of Jesus with nothing going on in her mind, nothing that she needs to do. She's just present in that moment. And it's driving her sister batty. How present are we in the moments of life? Think about Martha. How much peace does she have in this moment? She's running around like a crazy person. When she, when she sees Mary doing something, she doesn't have the, the ability to make the choice of, wait, I've made 13 dishes. I'm supposed to make one. I'm working on dishes 14, 15, and 16. Have I done enough? She can't even go there. She's so dysregulated. She's so freaked out. There's no peace. She has no choice. Think through your life right now. And this is the one I'm the worst at. My brain never stops. It's always going. How are you at sitting at peace in a moment with nothing you have to do, no place you need to go, a calm mind? Take a deep breath with me. If we measure our spiritual journey, the work that we're doing by how much we can sit like Mary and be calm and have choice. How are y'all doing? Honestly, I suck at this one. I can't get it to stop. I talked about peace, dealing with your past, all the trauma, all the stuff, parent issues life issues. I talked about this idea of peace, of being present in the moment and being able to have choice then where you can go, Mary can go, you know what, I'm not going to make any more than one dish because this is a really beautiful moment. I don't want to miss it. Her sister, she's me, running around like a chicken with her head cut off. The last piece of the puzzle I want to talk about today is this. French Church has this idea that says we're on this Actually, it's not French Church. It's, it's uh, Scott Peck's work. He says there's kind of four stages of spirituality. You start off with a very selfish spirituality that says, it's all about me. 
stage one. Stage two, you join a community of spiritual people. And you're all the same. You all believe the same. You do the same. Most traditional churches are in stage two. Beautiful places if you can be in them. Many of us didn't fit. We asked the wrong questions. We said the wrong things. Our marital status was wrong. Our kids did something bad. We asked that question that no one wanted us to ask, but it's the question that was dying inside of us. And so we went into what we call stage three. Stage three is where you doubt stage two. The reason we say church for people who don't fit church is because we're trying to help people in one sentence realize, yeah, yeah, I don't fit that church, but I still kind of like church, but I'm not that church. I want a different church. Now think about that. Most of us have some of that stage three in us. We've asked these questions. We don't fit. That doesn't work for us. So I'm sitting at a a wedding recently. Uh, We know the bride somehow. And they're going through their vows. And the bride says something that still blows my mind right now. In her wedding vows, honestly, straight face, she says, I promise to perform my wifely duties for you. Sorry, what? I'm like looking at my wife and I'm like, did I just hear that? Do you think I heard anything else in that service? All I'm thinking about is, what the hell did she just say? And all of my past baggage from all of my church experience just like took this big like plop right on top of me. Wham! I have my phone out. I'm researching vows. I'm looking at Bible verses. I'm like... (sighs) What else did she say? I have no clue. She could have said, I promise to kill you. I promise to light this thing on fire. I have no clue. I am so dysregulated by this. And I'd like to say this is the only time this has ever happened to me. Not true. My wife knows. If we go to a traditional church, someone says, I know that this is true. And I'm going, there's no way you know that's true. And instantly my phone's out and I'm researching again. I'm sending them an email. (laughs) She's looking over me like, do you want to just be here? Can we just like be here for a second? No. After the sex series, I talked about this idea that probably in the eyes of the church, some of us didn't fit sexually. I thought it was going to be a small group of people. I came out over the next week. The number of stories I've heard of people who said, this is what the church said, or this is what my parents said because they wanted to be good in the church, or this is what I was taught to believe. And the stories were so ungodly painful, I couldn't believe it. How much of our peace right now, how much of our ability to choose is impacted by our religious past? They say that one thing, wifely duties. I am off to the races. I don't even think I actually heard the reception. I was still talking about it the whole time. What the hell does that even mean? What year are we in? What's the thing from your religious past that when someone hits that one, choice just is gone. I have a friend, I don't know how he does it. He's some sort of like spiritual ninja, I think. He can go to any religious service in any time and enjoy and learn from any religious practice. They can say, I promise to perform my wifely duties and he'll just be like, oh, that's interesting and then keep paying attention. 
How does one do that? When we talk about stages of our spirituality, stage one, about me, stage two, we do it all the same. Everyone's one size fits all. Stage three is we start to question that. Those crazy buggers, what the hell do they know? Stage four is when you can go back to all of it and grow from all of it. You can go to the most traditional church service that you grew up with that kicked you out, that said horrible things to you and about you, and you can still learn from that church service. Wouldn't that be incredible? Talk about peace. If you want to look at how much muscle mass you're gaining, you can get a scale that lies to you and tells you all the work's not doing anything. If we had a spiritual journey, we would call it the fruit. And we'd say, how much kindly concern can you hold in your heart? Or today, how much peace do you have? How much ability do you have to choose regardless of what the other person says, what's going on, how you feel? When I got this assignment, I realized, oh, I got this assignment for a reason. Because I'm not good at this one. (laughs) How are you? I'd love to be able to sit here and tell you that I can tell you like a five-minute thing and you'll fix all of your peace. You'll have peace forever. That would be a lie. If I ever said that to you, you should heckle me from the crowd and tell me that I'm full of crap. This is a lifetime of work. Everything we do all the other Sundays of the year are to try and impact this idea of peace. Everything you do outside of the spiritual gym here, the workouts that you do, the stuff that you engage in, if you want to know what's working, see how much peace you have. You'll feel it. The next time your friend does that thing that drives you a little nuts, and you can feel the moment coming up, you can feel the emotion, you go, oh, they did it again, huh? What am I going to do? Next time your partner does that thing that drives you nuts or that makes you feel a certain way, again, you have choice. If you close the closet door, the cat won't crap in there. That's a great point, babe. We should get an auto-closing closet door. Never be open, right? It just always closes. I can be with humorous, right? I'm not triggered. I'm not dysregulated. I'm not saying the thing that I, I don't want to say even before I realize I'm saying it. You can feel it. You'll go into autopilot when you don't have peace. Anger, sadness, frustration. Raise your voice. Today isn't meant to beat you down. Today isn't meant to even be a come to Jesus moment where you're like, I suck at this. No, today is this thing that says, wait a second, how has my last year of peace been? Is my ability to have choice growing or declining? Are the things that I'm doing in my spiritual life working. We believe that we're all interconnected. That's the we. When I don't have peace, people around me don't have peace. The people around you don't have peace. Does this here something need to change? Is there some work you need to do? Is there some message you need to go back and listen to or series you need to revisit? Is there something you're saying, yeah, you know, this is working over here, but I think there's something more because my peace is not growing. 
I'm short. I'm, I'm not saying the things that I want to say. Today is meant to be a moment where we stop and take measure and say, yeah, I do need to do something in this. Or for you lucky buggers, you're like, I have tons of peace and it's just getting better and better. Please don't come and talk to me after. You make me feel really bad about myself, but I'm happy for you. Folks, another deep breath if you don't mind. We're just going to calm our nervous systems. May we all have peace. And may our peace spill out of us and make peace in this world. And now let me go super old school. Amen? Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week.